Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Lots of interesting talk out there, ladies and gentlemen, that... Um if Twitter continues on a course that it's take roundtable conversation, Ramya Muthan mm-hmm. at the home studio in Toronto, um, anything that you've been researching that you would go to? Not really. No. 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 I've only heard, not Tyrannosaurus Rex, what's the name? It sounds like a prehistoric monster or a creature. You don't uh, know which one I mean. We talked about it last week. It came up on, on the show. No. No. <laughs> no, no. Okay, no. Real, but anyway, we don't know, but everybody uh-huh. out there knows because they've heard it. They know what we're trying to remember. Not Tyrannosaurus Rex. Not that no, one. But that's the some... one we talked about last week. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that but that's a Twitter-like so um, social media. No, right? no, no. Um, no, I know what you're talking yeah. about now. Hold on. It, it, it's li- Anyways, it is. can't remember. But... <laughs> Clearly, but, we, we don't do our research. No, okay. no. Well, we just sit here like, what the heck's that called? But uh, what, what I'm wondering is, have you heard anything? I haven't really heard much, but I know there's been, and, and I'll look at this because I think we'll talk a little bit about it on the roundtable tomorrow. Um, there are all sorts of suggestions as well as conversations out there about, like sports, really relies on Twitter. So much tweeting goes on and certain agencies, certain places utilize that to promote what they're doing or to have the conversations the players get on there and interact with with their fans. Where are they going to go? How important is social media? Because, again, you get that stuff where sometimes you have to put up with a Kyrie Irving saying whatever he wants out there. But for the most part, you get people, players on there engaging, having fun with, with their fans in a positive way, giving fans that feeling of access. Where do they go? So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how much of an impact, because that's where a lot of sports teams, um, the major league sports particularly, we're talking, smaller sports, of course, that's their way of letting fans and people know what they're doing, push promotional aspects of, of coming to the games and things like that. So kind of interested to see what people do, or as this dies down, does it really remain the same except... You know, maybe Elon Musk has more of what he wants out there, but that's the reality of what you want and what actually happens are two different things. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, the more controversy you have obtaining something as big as Twitter or anything for that matter, uh, the more trust issues people have with you anyway. So that's clearly also happening. Got lots to talk about on the program today, as usual. Let's see what's coming up here on Kelly and Company. Well, Greg David is going to highlight the hottest genre on TV right now, holiday movies. Could you have guessed? Ryan Delahunty is bringing us details on the upcoming Accessibility Town Hall in Halifax. And this is a chance for regional municipality staff to provide updates for the disability community. Grocery shopping. We know it's become much more expensive this year. I've got some numbers for you actually in a moment, but we'll hear a lot more about this later. Mary Mamaliti tells us what we can do to help cut down grocery expenses in hour two here on Kelly and Company. Yeah, we get into these scary topics of the cost of fuel, uh, the cost of life, groceries being one of the particulars. In a country where Rumya last year, we spent a lot of time talking about how much we waste. And today, Statistics Canada says the annual inflation rate was 6.9% uh, in October. Take a listen. 
After declining for several months, the rate of inflation held steady in October from September as gas prices went up. The federal agency says higher mortgage interest costs also put upward pressure on inflation. However, offsetting higher gas prices and the rising interest rates was a slowdown in price growth for groceries and natural gas. Grocery prices have been rising at the fastest pace in decades, pinching Canadians as budgets and raising concerns about the cost of living. In October, grocery prices rose 11% compared with a year ago go down from 11.4 percent a month prior. John Kennedy, the Canadian Press. Now we're also hearing things like lettuce not being available for a little while because its cost is ridiculous what you're getting and you look at it and say and how many of us really uh, well that's an excuse to put something else in the salad instead of so can we manage without it yeah until Arizona and some of the places that have had less drought and actually have uh, lettuce available uh, until that peaks great but Romeo you look at 11% of an increase in grocery costs, you start saying, okay, is it availability? Is it due to all the things going on in the world? How much is to the pandemic? Or like a lot of people and experts will say, all based on the cost of fuel because you got to get it from here to there. Yeah, I have no idea. You know, I, I can't even pay attention too closely because I feel like there's a lot going on. Everything is a ripple effect, is a chain reaction. Um, you, We talked with Ryan Chin about how, how Bank of Canada is uh, combating that, right? And and it that still feels like a problem. Well, now real estate is messed up, you know? So... I don't know, but at the end of the day, it is real. Like, it's not a question of whether this is happening or not because we're all feeling it. And it, I'm almost starting to feel like, you know, when we talk about historic moments like the Great Depression and things yep. like that, yep. it feels like we're living through one of these, you know, all the lasting effects of pandemic and more. It's really phenomenal when you stop to think about stopping the world or shall we say slowing things to a crawl and then trying to fire the engines back up and you wonder how come we're doing things like saying only five days uh after you've tested positive for covid do you need to isolate when we know darn well people are still testing positive after eight nine eleven days um so how come we're going back out into society how come we've taken the 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 restrictions so many different things but it all goes back to the economy got to keep things moving got to keep people happy to be there and work we have a, a shortage Oh, boy. So, so much there that that really we're looking at and saying, hmm. Celebrities, one of the things that I think must be, Ramya, when you look at a person's career and say, wow, you've done a lot. You've been there. You've you've made it through the tide. Waves of, of great success and maybe not so great success. Elton John's Los Angeles concert is the final one that is in North America will be streamed live on Disney Plus on uh, this coming Sunday. Now, John says he was so down on himself that he almost didn't make it to his history-making shows at Dollar, Dodger Stadium in 1975. Three days before the show, I tried. To, I took an overdose of pill. I was very unstable. But luckily enough, I managed to recover in time and do the shows, thank God, because, you know, they were so memorable and they were such an important part of my career. Unbelievable, Ramya. 75, and and things were huge then for, for him as he took North America, took the world by storm. And we fast forward to 2022, and I don't know if I'd ever say final tour, final concert at, I, I'm not sure with the way people rebound. Yeah, we we don't know because people do rebound sometimes, but it's so interesting to hear about um, how important it was for him that he'd have to come out of that stupor 
and, uh, you know, physically work for that show. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable when you think about and, and multiple shows, because when these folks hit, they hit and they're huge. 1975 yes. Dodger Stadium. Pretty, pretty phenomenal uh, when you think of the location and the tide that he jumped onto and just went for the ride. Elton John, final concert Sunday. You can see it uh, streamed for you over there on Disney+. Plus. Up next, Grant Hardy joins us. It's Wednesday. He's got those health headlines for us. Please stand by. In Canada, find us right from your TV. Bell and Lion customers, look for us on Channel 66. And Novus, Channel 889. Visit ami.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. Ramya Muthan over there at the Home Studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald, the Home Studio, London, Ontario. Thank you wherever you're listening and around the world for being with us. We welcome in from his home location, Mr. Grant Hardy, reporter here at AMI-audio and uh, with Kelly and company team. Grant, you've got today, you're wearing the hat that talks health from beneath it. How are you? Hey, guys. Happy to be on the program today. Hope you guys are doing fantastic. Well, after that greeting, you can't help it, eh? That was really like, wow. That was really feel good. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Sir, where do you want to start? I actually have been, since we missed health headlines last week, I've actually been sitting by the phone in the same spot for an entire week just waiting for you guys to call. So I feel like it's a... Yeah, just swapping hats, I'd say, but you, you were away... Were you away Friday? Yeah, you were away Friday, too. So... Yeah, did you ever stay glued? I feel like, yeah. I feel like we, we, we broke a date, but now I'm back, so happier than ever. Oh, All right, um, uh, we're starting with some nutrition quote-unquote rules that some registered dietitians say you can actually rake or are myths. So basically the idea is that Diet culture is a really strong force that can often be responsible for the many quote-unquote rules we are wrongfully messaged about healthy living, especially as it pertains to nutrition. Some rules are intended to be helpful, and that's not to say that they can't be for some people, but they are restrictive and unrealistic in nature uh, for some people, which can make it extremely hard to follow while maintaining a positive relationship with food. Additionally, these rules can make simple tasks like grocery shopping uh, feel daunting and uh, requires uh, endless anxiety-fueled planning and preparation. Uh, It's important to remember that everybody is individual, everybody's economic circumstances, diet, uh, time, attention, skill, et cetera, differs is especially important with what you guys were just talking about too regarding inflation. Not everybody can afford every grocery. So we have a ton and we're not going to make it through all of them, but I'll I'll just go through uh, a few of them. So myth one, we've all heard this, only shop the perimeter of the grocery store. Now, the idea behind this rule is based on how most grocery stores are structured with the perimeter stocking 
perishable foods, produce, meat, fish, dairy, eggs, and other refrigerated goods, and the inside of the store having shelf-stable processed foods. The reason experts believe this rule should be ignored is simple. The inside of grocery stores have great options that don't need to be avoided. Foods that are found in the center aisles, such as canned veggies or fish, can be a great and nutritious budget-friendly option compared to fresh produce. The center aisles are also filled with everyday staples that can complement perishable foods or serve as nutritious snacks like pasta. Also, keeping snack foods like crackers and granola bars around helps you feed yourself throughout the day. Very good. So these are... Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, I was going to say these are really um, great tips, and I I think that there we covered a couple of them um, two weeks ago when you weren't able to join us, Grant. But um, especially when it comes to food, I think a lot of people are asking these questions, right? How to move forward? How to um, feel better? Eat better? Or understand our shopping better? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... And uh, actually, as someone who has some food issues and uh, is trying to eat healthier, I've always been a little bit bothered by this because as soon as you try and eat healthy, you almost feel more judged because I was thinking the other day, like, you know, how it would, for me, it would be a miracle if I started to eat yogurt because I just don't sensorily the, the smell, et cetera. I just, I just can't do it. So how cool would it be if I ate yogurt that happened to have sugar to sweeten it? You know, mm-hmm. no one is going to argue that an overdose of sugar is good, is good for you. Um, but, you know, it's, it's all about an individual uh, journey, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. We all have our own relationships with food. So, Definitely when one thing that I not just assume like for myself and for a lot of other people, it can be very triggering to read um, articles that, you know, pounce on bad eating habits or uh, kind of make it seem like it's this way or nothing at all. Like this is nutrition and nothing else is. Um, But anytime we can kind of uh, level with each other, you know, nutritionists, professionals, people who, who are following these things all the time and us everyday people, um, the better for, for food relationships all over the place. Yeah, that's, that's the idea. Um, so this is a funny one. This is definitely something that I heard uh, growing up. Uh, and the idea is to, uh, the myth is only buy foods with ingredients that you can actually pronounce. The fact is everything that we eat is made up of chemicals. And if you saw the chemicals or quote unquote ingredients in a banana, most of us couldn't pronounce much of it. So rather than avoiding ingredients you can't pronounce, it's best to aim to include a variety of food types in your diet. This is one I sure um, for sure. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, let's see. I'll pick one or two more. Um, so one of the myths is people say, you know, don't, keep your trigger foods around. If your trigger foods are salt and vinegar potato chips, if it's chocolate chip cookies, if it's ice cream, don't keep it around. The fact is that 
sometimes really like censoring your your groceries, refusing to eat those foods at all until you sort of snap and one day it's 50% off and you just can't help yourself, it could end up that you actually have an unhealthier relationship with food or actually binge a little bit on mm-hmm. your trigger foods. Having your Having your trigger foods around and always available actually can make them less enticing. I have a funny personal story about this. I love the Thin Mint Girl Guide cookies. And I don't know if you guys have those out where uh, in Toronto. I've had them, but, I, you know, I, again, I'm not a big mint yeah. person, so I can't so, even remotely tell you <laughs> when or where. Yeah. So these only come around uh, a couple times a year. They're hard to get their hands on. So right. when I've got my hands on them, I bought, like, you know, five boxes or something and just, like, <laughs> binged on these cookies. It's ridiculous. Well, during the pandemic... Uh, you could actually order these online, and I ordered a case of cookies. It came with, like, I don't even know how many boxes of cookies oh, it wow. came. And I started eating these, and I realized, like, you know what? I'm actually kind of tired of these. Like, I'm, I'm bored of them. They're, they're less magical now. Um, and I ended up just sharing and, and giving away and, uh, you know, basically getting rid of a lot of the cookies. Um, so it sort of changed my relationship that, I still love them, but I don't crave them in the same way. And that's mm-hmm. a, a neat thing about always having something around. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, like you say, it, it kills it. We all have the dream thing we wish we could do. But then you stop and say, I love doing that as a hobby, as a job. It might kill it for me. True. Yeah. It oh, really that's, can. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, it could. It really can. Um, for Some people will say that. Uh, okay, Grant, next one. Yeah, let's move on here. Um, ooh, this is an interesting one from City News Vancouver. BC parents call for changes to 811 health hotline. So this mm. is basically the nurse line. If you dial 811, you can uh, speak to a registered nurse. Occasionally, you can speak to a doctor as well, but most of the time, it's a registered nurse, and they give you free health information and advice. But some parents are saying British Columbia's 811 health hotline is unreliable and sends kids to crowded emergency rooms for the mildest symptoms. They have an example. Rachel Link has a two-year-old daughter and says she's visited the emergency room four times for reasons ranging from mild flu symptoms to those attributed to teething. She says, we've been sent to the ER for a wide array of things, and once we've gotten to the ER... We've basically been told that we don't need to be there and to go home, adding that she's left with her sick child because of long wait times. Basically, she says, all our friends have come to the realization that they just send everyone to the ER. Mm -hmm. The Vancouver mother says she has stopped calling 811 as her on-call physician is a more reliable resource, although she admits that she's lucky to have a physician in the city because it's not common, and she wishes that 811 were either better resourced to give clearer feedback, or that maybe it just had a uh, better uh, list of things to do. So this is an interesting one because I feel like, I mean, look, the, the last thing that anyone wants is to say, you know what, you're probably fine, don't worry about it. Uh, and then for something to happen. But in my experience with 811, 
you know, you tell them that you're having, uh, actually there's sort of an online like screening tool you can do too. If you mention certain kinds of symptoms, they won't even let you talk to someone. They say, go to the ER right away. Yeah. Um, mm. but for almost any, like any kind of pain, discomfort, rash, you know, whatever, certainly the times that I've called them, um, I, I've just been told like, you, you've got to go see a doctor. And oftentimes it turns out to be nothing. So it's tough. It'd be nice if there was sort of like a, a non sort of, well, I guess it can't be non-liability, but empower people to give a little bit more of their opinion and people would eat this up. I feel like it would take a lot of the load off of the uh, emergency room for just normal issues that you could probably keep people at home. Well, and especially now that people can do video in some cases, maybe that would help, maybe not. But I think you're right. It's a liability concern. And then we're sitting there or or the, the taxpayers are putting out the money for a service that feels they can't commit to being right up and straight up with you because of the liability they could be facing. Yeah, it's interesting because these services are, they are staffed by RNs, registered nurses, but I believe that they actually have basically like a computer system, a computer script that they go off of. So it's, it's almost the kind of situation where I'm being sort of facetious, but it's almost the kind of situation where it could be staffed by a uh, call center. Staff. Yeah. Non-professionals in ask, the sense. <laughs> yeah. If you ask for their opinion on anything, it's like, yeah, no, we, we can't provide that. We just have to go by our The script our here. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I don't know how. I feel that you're yeah, that it's ahead. very correct, Grant. I like I personally and, and you know our society as we've talked about it here on the program numerous times, who wants to take responsibility? Who wants to be the one to say, Nope, you don't have to do that and then here later on, yeah, somebody told them they didn't have to go. Oh my goodness, what the heck? That person shouldn't be working there. They need to be held accountable. It's a really horrible two way street that we want this information available to us. But unfortunately, the fear is there and you're pouring out taxpayer money to cover off a service like that, where then you end up having people sending people to overload an already overloaded system. Something's wrong. Something's got to give. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad that we can't have a resource that's literally like 24 hours a day, maybe phone or video conference, it could be optional, where you could talk to like a mental health professional or a registered nurse or a doctor and really get like a reasonable assessment of what your your And I think we believe we're getting that. That's when these things are proposed. I think we think we're going to get that. Maybe we are. But no matter if it's a doctor or, or a healthcare professional, there's always the underlying, yeah, but. Don't say that. Send them there because of that liability. Grant, awesome stuff. Thank you, man. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Grant Hardy, reporter, with our latest health news right here on Kelly & Company joining us. He'll be back with Lifestyle Headlines on Friday on the program. Coming up next, Greg David highlights the hottest genre on television right now, holiday movies. You knew that, though, of course. We'll be right back with him in two minutes.
Welcome back to the program. As we settle in here, we're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Repeated the show at 10 p.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. in the morning. Also, check out the Kelly and Company podcast. Available to you from your favorite podcast platform. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of the show. And uh, we settle in on our Wednesday every couple of weeks to talk a little TV. So we welcome Greg David, AMI's communications specialist, to, uh, to discuss the latest in TV news and entertainment. Today, he's here to talk to us about the hottest genre on television. Greg, what might that be? Wow. I mean, it's not cop dramas or sitcoms about dumb dads. It's holiday TV movies here. Yeah, it's it's crazy that this is possibly the fastest growing genre on television. I know that I've spoken not only on with YouTube, but also on uh, Now with Dave Brown, kind of like a mocking tone with the holiday TV movies and how cheesy they can be. But this year, new ones have been on the air since October. Wow. Since before Canadian Thanksgiving, there have been Christmas movies available for people to watch, and they are going to continue until the end of this year. It is just crazy how this genre has exploded in the last two years. Have you seen any um, numbers as to how many are made? I know we talk about that. We talked Last year, the year before, about the town here in Canada where they make a lot of these movies in different locations they, they that are all these little Christmasvilles. Um, do, do you have any idea how many? Because I think you told us at one point how many they were, they were projected to make and maybe it was 2020 or something like that. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. You'd have to go through each of the production companies, but we're going to get into the Ottawa area in a bit where there were 15 that were filmed in the area just in the last year. So when you think about that, you multiply that by, you know, big and small cities around the country of Canada. And, you know, it's literally dozens of, of these things and they make mm-hmm. money. Like we've talked about this before. People love to, you know, just kind of go for their comfort television, especially during the pandemic. And whenever there's kind of unrest in the world, people want a turtle and they want to go for that comforting stuff and that's what they're getting out of these holiday tv movies and i've been turtling since before canadian thanksgiving (laughs) okay so as you said we've talked about these movies before and how diverse they've become as well uh has that continued is that the trend in 2022 yeah, absolutely. We're seeing really unprecedented diversity when it comes to the storylines and the casting uh, from same-sex couples to black, brown, and Asian lead characters to even wheelchair users. Uh, there's a ton of diversity in these projects. Now, the bad news is there is not, no uh, lead or supporting actors or actresses from the blind and partially sighted communi- community in any of these TV movies, uh, these new ones mm-hmm. this year. So that's the big black mark on the genre is that they need need to be in you know truly inclusive and that means get blind and partially sighted deaf and hard of hearing uh you know uh invisible disabilities uh, all involved in these projects as well one of you writers out yeah. there do a script about christmas coming to a blind school yeah and you could mm. like maybe do one in the Did 40s you write maybe that one? no but my fingers are working now I think, well, yeah, I mean, you know, the set it at like a, a, a blind school in Brantford, Ontario. Uh, you know, a gentleman goes back to his roots and, you know, um, he's from London, Ontario, and he goes back to his roots at the old school and plays Santa. I think we're we're putting this script together wow. right now. Well, it's better than playing Scrooge and stealing all the trees. <laughs> 
That could be the twist that happens at the end. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Ah, fooled you, Ellen Mary one. Bad. <laughs> From a production standpoint, Greg, and you mentioned the 15 shows done up near Ottawa in that town because they bring tons of money to these locations. Um, as as you say, the holiday movies uh, craze being with them being filmed. A lot of uh, smaller communities are seeing quite a windfall of productions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal are seeing the bulk of television and film production on in a regular year. So those smaller communities really get to take advantage. Smaller-ish communities are seeing a windfall of production on these projects. Like I said, 15 holiday movies in Ottawa just this year is crazy. Yeah. Um, that's not too far away from where I'm living right now. And uh, according to the Ottawa Film Office, that contributed $28.5 million to the local economy of course that means uh you know hundreds of jobs and locations being used so that's just ottawa but cities like hamilton uh calgary brantford and others are being used all the time for these holiday tv movies as well and you know it's it's just great you know everybody gets to to reap the benefits of of these popular productions they need to film somewhere and all these smaller communities are are taking advantage of that Wow, that's when we really push the myth that Canada does have snow in July, so they'll come up and film and we'll just say, oh, it's just a sudden warm spell. We don't understand what the snow is, but film anyway. Use some cold flakes or something or frosted flakes. Oh, the best is when they're filming and you can tell that it's July because the snow, <laughs> quote unquote snow, is, uh, the, you know, it's tucked very, very closely to the buildings and it looks suspiciously like, you know, that styrofoamy type of material. <laughs> and you're like, you know what? The fact that it's not melting either is an indication that uh, these, you know, the, the budgets aren't huge for these. And, and, you know, you have to film all year round so that you can have them out in time for Christmas. Yeah. But it's still amazing to me how... Dozens, probably more of these movies are being uh, they're being produced. They're everywhere, like streaming service, cable TV, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And and yet people are tuning into all of them. Like, honestly, people are. So anyways, folks that tune into these projects will recognize some of these familiar faces from the 90s. Uh, Holly yeah. Robinson, Pete, Candace Cameron, Bior, and Lacey Chabert. Did I say any of them incorrectly? Uh, mm-hmm. Candace Cameron Bure and Lacey Chabert. That's tough. There you go. All right. Well, thank you. And, you know, it's all going to be better than uh, El Paso at uh, any point. So they started (laughs) in projects, like we said, from the 1990s, but they're seeing a resurgence in their careers in these movies. So talk a little bit about that with us. Yeah, I mean, along with uh, joking about the synopses, I used to joke with my partner that these films were kind of a dumping ground for 90s stars. But, I mean, they are getting the last laugh because uh, in addition to signing lucrative contracts to make these projects, they're getting executive producer credits as well. Uh, you just mentioned Candace Cameron Bure, who was on, uh, gro- was on Growing Pains. Uh, she just completed a contract with Hallmark where she starred in 30 holiday TV movies from 2008 until last year. Lacey Chabert, this past February, signed a two-year deal with Hallmark to star in and executive produce projects. And Holly Robinson-Pete, who you also mentioned, has signed a contract with Hallmark that will keep her making holiday TV movies. Uh, There's a Canadian actor named Paul Campbell uh, who used to be on a a couple of, uh, like, fringe comedies that really didn't get many rating, much ratings here in this country. But uh, in the last couple of years, he's been in a handful of these holiday TV movies. 
And part of the fun is when these names pop up on screen, just recognizing them and saying, I remember that person from that show or that movie or whatever. And so, you know, far from it being a dumping ground for people, people are flocking there and they're making a lot of money off of the projects they're signing on to. Wow. No kidding. It's kind of like the Hollywood community of holiday movies. <laughs> and well, they're still yeah. making their big bucks. Or, or voice work, right? It's like you have yep. a certain amount of people that are involved in these and they just recycle the same people like doing cartoon you know, voice yeah. work. But then you recognize them for these movies, which is still kind of comforting. It goes back to that again. Yep. And well, not I only that. Imagine that. And not only that, you said recycling, these TV movies are broad, broadcast every year, right? So if you make a TV movie about the holidays, you know that it's going to be replayed in, you know, for That's years right. and years to come. So it's, yeah. you're really establishing your own brand as an actor or an actress when you're in a Christmas uh, project. It's hard mm-hmm. to believe that there was a time where people just, hey, man, they might do one Christmas movie or episode of a TV series, one in their lifetime. Now you've got people that are being hired on. Now you're going to do these 30 movies, yeah. right? Oh, Christmas. So we've joked in the past about the storylines for these movies being, uh, you know, really following a basic formula. They always involve a young woman from the big city going to a small town where she falls in love and learns the true meaning of Christmas and family. Is that still true, Greg? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, but I do have to say that they're getting more interesting. Um, I watched uh, a movie called The Royal Nanny on W Network this past weekend, uh, a holiday uh, movie. And it was set in London, England. And it told the story of a spy. And she did some undercover work as a nanny in a royal household in an attempt to thwart a kidnapping uh, that was possibly going to happen to this family. So, I mean, that's a little bit more dark, right? We're not just talking about going to a small town and going into a bakery and eating a cookie that's the shape of a snowman. We're getting a little bit more dark with our storytelling. Um, it was very well acted for the most part, and it featured some stunning scenes in London. Uh, you know, the movie still ended with the storyline on Christmas Day with presents and kissing, but the journey to get there was really unique. And I mean, that's the thing. That's the other thing. You need to have not only diversity in your cast, but you need to have some some diversity in the stories. If you're going to be churning out, you know, 50 to 100 new ones every year, sure. you've got to have some kind of change in those storylines. Yeah, absolutely. And then I wonder, you know, how many people want to go back to the old, the classics that they uh, are already comfortable with because of that factor during the holidays or, you know, how many new ones are you going to take part in? So you've mentioned uh, W Network already as one place to watch holiday movies. Where else can we find them? Everywhere. That's the short answer. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to pay extra or for Super Channel and you already have that, that costs a little bit extra per month. And they have a bunch on every night. They've signed a deal with Hallmark uh, to broadcast them. And they're also getting into making their own as well. Um, Netflix has a bunch, too. Uh, the specialty channels like W Network that I mentioned and Slice both offer these types of movies. But the other thing is, even if you have basic cable, CTV and City TV are both broadcasting holiday TV movies on the weekend. And I, I noticed that um, uh, just this past weekend that they were both showing them throughout the weekend. So lots and lots of places you can find these movies. So is this an industry, Greg, that's just making sure whenever you feel you want one of these movies, they're on? Or is there a, a viewpoint that the people who really enjoy these will sit there and watch two, three of them at least a day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely the fact that people are tuning in means that they're going to be making more of them. And and the research shows that that people love these movies. Uh, It goes back to that comfort thing again. um, You know, uh, a couple of years ago. 
Yeah, yeah. And and even like when the pandemic first started, my partner and I would sit down. I remember that first Christmas watching them every night of the week. Like, what's it going to be this? You know, what's going to be on W Network tonight? Let's watch it. Um, And there was there was that real comfort in there that, yeah, as cheesy as some of the storylines were, there's there's a lot of fun in, in that, too. It's kind of like you could do a little bit of a drinking game around some of these things. Like, are they going to kiss <laughs> under the mistletoe? Yes. Take a drink. Uh, are they going to end up on a, on a Christmas tree farm cutting down a tree? Yes, they are. Let's have a drink. So there's there's that that you know that kind of built-in fun and i think to be honest with you if you're watching them with other people that almost makes the holiday movie even more fun because you can tease what's oh, yeah. going on and and make fun the holiday movie board game comes out now yes yes <laughs> can you imagine a holiday movie clue game oh that would yep. be amazing it's really um, interesting because of the predictability yeah I, I i really think the predictability and that's why it's um very interesting to me you know as they keep getting more diverse and as you talked about the disability representation and all these other things greg still you have to keep it snow keep it christmas you know keep some kind of storyline in there that people hot chocolate feel marshmallows like is, yeah yeah like this yep. is still a holiday movie or else if you make it too interesting then people are like well that didn't feel very holiday-ish Right, right. Where's the where's the famous hot chocolate recipe that they always have to have that's been handed down from generation to generation? Right. Listen, it's steamed milk, some cocoa, and some sugar. That's all it is. That's any recipe. And I mean, next week, I may be living one of these holiday uh, movies because uh, my partner and I, Ellen, are going to go to the Museum of Civilization here in Ottawa, and they're doing a tree lighting. So she was joking with me at lunch that, Aww. are we going to do a, like a big countdown? Uh, like they do in the TV movies and, and, and share a smooch with one another or other people next to the tree. We might have to do that. Just to have your Maybe own movie. Maybe the Museum of Civilization was featured in one of these movies. If, oh, um, as the probably. tree. If you, were, uh, if you were in one of these movies, do you want to play the partner in a couple or do you want to play the Scrooge-like character? I just want to or... be in the... I just want to be in the background acting like I'm having a discussion and eating the food that's on the table. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's not real food, yeah. Greg. Oh, oh, are you sure? Hey, it matches the, the, the craft snow. Serv- the craft services table is real food, Rami. I know that. Okay. It's made out of I'm the just same saying, stuff. In Gilmore Girls, they had to keep spitting out the food, and I was like, "That sucks." Oh, right. <laughs> sort of like spitting right. out the wine at a wine tasting. It's made out yeah. of the same stuff the snow is made out of. Right. <laughs> Have yeah. fun, Greg. Enjoy next week's <laughs> tree lighting ceremony. <laughs> Thank you. Join Greg David every other Wednesday here on Kelly and Company to talk all things television. Up next, Ryan Delahanty, he's going to bring us some details on the upcoming Accessibility Town Hall in Halifax. We'll get all that from him after this. Catch the Pulse this Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time. This week, Joita talks to disability activist and lawyer David Leposki about what needs to be improved in Bill C-22, which proposes the creation of the Canada Disability Benefit out there. That's the Pulse Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time, and it's available on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, hosts of Kelly and Company. On Wednesdays and Fridays, we check in with our content development specialists and they deliver a regional content report. Ryan Delahunty gives us news from the Atlantic. We clarified this 
I guess yesterday on who gives news from where. So, right. It's nice to have you back. And let's start with an event. It's a very important one in Halifax that's happening tomorrow night. That's Thursday. Uh, and it's the big accessibility town hall. Can you tell us what this is all about? This is organized every year by Halifax's Accessibility Advisory Committee, and the town hall is an opportunity for Halifax Regional Municipality staff to provide updates to the community on current accessibility initiatives at the municipal level and receive questions, feedback, and input from residents. So staff would be presenting from property, fleet, and environment, diversity and inclusion, public works departments. Uh, they'll be presenting this year, giving an overview on their successes, challenges, and updates on any accessibility-related projects that the city's departments have undertaken since last year's town hall. And uh, they'll also have an open floor visioning session where members of the public will be invited to provide the committee with their thoughts on what future town halls should look like and inform the work of the committee in the year ahead. Excellent. Well, town halls are an incredible way to get people together to have this, you know, formal um, but open session of feedback. So how can people participate or check out the event? Members of the public uh, are invited to attend in person tomorrow night at Paulo Regan Hall in the Halifax Central Library, or you can join via Zoom, and there will also be a live stream on YouTube. Uh, masks are strongly encouraged for those attending in person, and hey, you can wear them at home too. Uh, so it's uh, tomorrow night, Thursday, November 17th, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. in the Halifax Central Library. Uh, you can attend virtually over Zoom and still have your questions and comments shared live from the floor, um, but registration for that is required. So you should register before noon tomorrow. So there's still time, and that's uh, halifax.ca slash accessibility town hall would be the link there. Um, and then you can also watch virtually without participating uh, in the question and answer sessions via a YouTube live stream link, which will also be on that website, should be published tomorrow. Uh, so it's probably too late to book Accessibus travel now, uh, but thankfully uh, the extra care taxi service is getting rave reviews views and uh, you can book that uh, on short notice to get to the event if you do want to check it out in person. Lovely. Okay. Yeah. And we featured a, a extra care taxi with you a while back and it's great to know that the community is being, is using the service and it's a great way to get more involved in the accessibility of Halifax altogether, learn about the work that the city is doing on that front, right? Absolutely. I've attended many times in the past and a lot of interesting issues are raised. It's great just to get a recap of, you know, what's been a really steady stream of improvements. There's been a lot I've seen with park facilities, uh, with transit, uh, with a lot of recreational facilities. So it's really nice to see how far things are coming along. Mm. Mm -hmm. Ryan, I also think what is really cool when we talk about these things as members of the media, any attention that can be given, publicizing things are going on so people can get involved or find out about them. So let's jump over to Newfoundland where participants are sought for a media campaign on disability. What can you tell us about this that's going on here? This is from the Coalition of Persons with Disabilities in Newfoundland and Labrador, so their acronym uh, CODNL, and they're launching a positive media campaign around disability in Newfoundland and Labrador and are looking for participants to share their story. They want people with disabilities throughout the province to see themselves reflected in the campaign, uh, and they're looking at having a lens for overall diversity, including a diversity of disability. So what are they looking for in a poten potential participant for this? 
Uh, so it will be province-wide, and the goal of the campaign is to communicate that disability is not the person. It's the barriers created by the environment around them and the misperceptions that hold them back. They want people who can share authentic stories, reflecting the real experiences of persons with disabilities in Newfoundland and Labrador. And so the criteria is diverse kinds of disabilities. They want to look at the intersectionality of persons with disabilities, highlighting the diverse range, range of age, gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender identity, etc., that make up the province's disability community. And they want to focus on three categories of barriers, looking at attitudinal, systemic, and physical barriers in the environment. So people interested uh, can reach out to them. Um, Trevor Freeborn would be the primary contact, uh, says to leave a voicemail calling him at 709-722-7011 or emailing Trevor, T-R-E-V-O-R, at codnl.ca and where they can only feature a limited number of individuals uh, only those selected uh, will be contacted with the next steps and potential participants who are selected for the interview process will receive a $50 gift card for their time. Amazing well sounds like a really great uh, opportunity for people to take part in. Let's talk about Something going on in Nova Scotia, the Canadian Council on Rehabilitation and Work are seeking participants in a Youth the Future program. So I'm curious about it because I believe it's the same Youth the Future program that's offered uh, all over the place. It's maybe a, a national endeavor that you'll tell us more about. Absolutely. I checked and right now they are um, really wanting to fill up the spots they have for the Nova Scotia program. But you're right, it is national in scope. So CCRW mm-hmm national not-for-profit organization uh, working to promote and support meaningful and equitable employment of persons with disabilities. So the Youth the Future program lasts up to 22 weeks, helps youth with disabilities ages 15 to 30, learn how to find work, ask for accommodations, how to self-care, work on goals, and much more. The first eight weeks are in a classroom setting for 30 hours a week, which the participants are paid for attending. And participants will also have access to paid counseling, food security funds, and other accommodations. So definitely they're doing a lot to help support people to get through the program uh, and compensate them for taking part. Uh, A few spots are still open for the next sessions, which are starting uh, in late November or early December. So I think your odds are pretty good if you're applying right now. They're wanting to make sure they have all the spots filled. Uh, And so long as you meet their criteria, uh, definitely apply soon. And uh, they find most participants consider the program a real life changer. So if you're interested in learning more, you can call them at 902-482-9712 or email ytfhalifax at ccrw.org. And they did let me know that uh, they are uh, starting some other programs that aren't strictly focused on youth uh, up soon, and it is national. So if you want to see what's happening in your area, uh, check out their website, ccrw.org. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, Rye, you got quite a bit of great stuff here today and a little bit more in the package as we have some time. Uh, What is this last item you've got for us? Yeah, this is something I just saw today, and I checked out a a previous uh, iteration a few years ago, and uh, though I don't know I was the target audience, uh, they were so welcoming and uh, got me up in the aerial silks and spinning around, and it was a really great time. So there is a free circus workshop for typically excluded communities uh, happening this coming Sunday at Halifax Circus, downtown Halifax. So it's a free workshop for mad, deaf, neurodivergent, disability community members, and anyone who 
has not felt comfortable in traditional circus or movement spaces. Uh, it's a workshop uh, being put together by a friend of ours from Ontario, Erin Ball, and uh, she'll be uh, she's visiting Halifax now. She's actually just back from an accessible uh, dance. Uh, conference in Korea. So uh, she's always up to some interesting things. And she's a, uh, describes herself here as a white uh, double below the knee amputee circus artist and coach. And the course is for circus coaches striving to dismantle ableism and other forms of oppression in their work. So they're trying to uh, build more infrastructure here to include the disability community and people who would be excluded from the circus arts. And the course also seeks to shift the typical approach to movement to welcome more people into this world. Uh, uh, so the workshop will be led by the coaches who took the course and Aaron will be there for guidance and it'll be a combination of offering aerial and ground movements. Everything is optional, so they really work to tailor it to uh, what works for you. All ages are welcome as well. Um, it's an accessible space, AL ASL interpretations provided, uh, gendered neutral bathrooms. So they've really thought of uh, so many different things for uh, different groups. Uh, and so uh, if you have any questions about accessibility, want to sign up, learn more, uh, best way to uh, get involved is to email Aaron, and that's uh, KingstonCircusArts at gmail.com. And uh, she can even, you know, arrange a phone call should you want that as well. Uh, so definitely something worth checking out. And you can search Free Circus Workshop Halifax. You'll probably find it as well on Facebook. There's an wow. event page for it. Sounds like tremendous success originally to, to create a want to do another, but also taking into account so many different things and saying, we'll get it right. And, and in the meanwhile, let's have lots of fun. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. I, I kind of attended out of curiosity and then I couldn't resist when they were trying to encourage me to take part. And it's, it's true where I never would have uh, tried that. And I walked away saying like, I, I could really wow. enjoy this. I wouldn't mind being yeah. more involved. And the kind of, you know, trust that you're willing to build with these participants is incredible because it's, you know, not an easy thing. Uh, it's one thing to be recognized that, yes, this is a typically um, a community that doesn't get to take part in things like this. But then to say, OK, but now we got to trust you in order to try it out. And that's huge. Absolutely. There's a beautiful little moment in our uh, our community documentary with Vicky Levac recently where, um, she attends uh, one of these circus sessions. And so they've got sort of the aerial silks, uh, you know, behind her. She's still sitting in her power chair and they kind of figured out the best way was mm -hmm. for her to uh, reverse the chair. And as the chair goes back, uh, the silks take over and she kind of swings out. She's in her Superman costume uh, talking about how uh, free she feels flying. And uh, so I know how powerful the experience they provided yeah. her was. And uh, other people that were, were quite close with at AMI here uh, have all been, you know, pretty heavily involved since they first tried it out. So I know, um, you know, they, they adore working with Aaron and uh, they have such a great experience. They want to uh, facilitate that for others and get more of it. So it's been really successful and uh, something I definitely encourage anybody interested, even if you maybe don't fully identify as having a disability, uh, mm -hmm. they'll be very accommodating and uh, encouraging. Amazing. So it's a really great session. Awesome, Ryan. Well, thanks for this and all the other things you brought up today. We'll chat in a few weeks. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Ryan Delahanty, our content development specialist. We've got a lot ahead in the next hour amidst continuing hiring challenges and a tight labor market. Some companies are pulling up the stops to show their appreciation to their staff. We'll find out from our friends at Robert Half about that. Uh, also coming up in just a couple of moments, Bill Shackleton with the buzz. And later, Mary Mamaliti here to talk food on Kelly and Company.
program. This is hour two. Welcome back to Kelly. Midweek. Midweek point of the show. Lots ahead, though, for the rest of the week. But let's worry about today first, Rum. We've got Bill Shackleton joining us. Bill joins us Wednesdays through Fridays on the program to begin the second hour. We call it The Buzz. Shaq, welcome back. How are you? We're doing good. Doing good. You, um... So one of the things we, we always do is have some items to talk about. We call them our backups just in case we, we have trouble getting a guest. And you took one of them, um, which is great. That's fine because we got we got plenty laying there just in case something goes askew. But I'm kind of excited because the first one just really, well, I shouldn't say your first one, but one of them really fascinates me. So can we, uh, can we dig in? Let's see where you're going to start here. I want to do this one. This is a, a very sad story. Iranian man who inspired to film the terminal dies at Paris airport um, from Associated Press. So he lived in the Paris airport, the Charles de Gaulle airport from 1988 to to 2006. Um, Basically what happened to him was um, somebody had stole his refugee papers. So he came from Iran so essentially, he was caught in a bureaucratic no man's land, and he couldn't prove who he was. He couldn't prove where he came from. So the French authorities couldn't deport him because he didn't have any papers. And you know what? This when you're caught in a bureaucratic nightmare like this, you know they don't know what to do with you. So this poor guy ended up at the airport, and he slept on a on a, on a bench. And he made friends with the with the airport staff and a lot of them. He became basically a mini celebrity, and he made friends with the um, the airport staff and the passengers. And um, in 1986, he moved to a shelter. So um, it's really a sad story when you know nobody helped the guy out for 18 years. He lived on a he lived on a bench in the, in the airport. I mean, it's crazy. I I just. I find it hard to imagine. And we, we we joke about the size of airports and how they're like they take up the property of a of a small town or not even necessarily a small town, okay? And it just amazes you when you look at some of the stats when someone will say, oh, well, this airport's bigger than the city of so-and-so. It's, it, you kind of chuckle away. And again, that means a lot of territory, hangars, uh, runways, and so on. But terminals, too, are big. Sleeping on a bench, having your life where you just don't, you can't, you're, not, you're not a nomad, but the papers aren't there to send you home. Yeah. That's the right. papers aren't there to allow you to live as a proper citizen yeah. where you are. And all people can do is is let it go. And, I mean, what kind of character does it take? And, and, and again, some people say, well, there's something wrong with that guy if he could do that. You know, not necessarily. You know, uh, who knows when you talk about a person's durability bill. Yeah, and it's it's just, it's sad that it's like, how could you be caught in this limbo? I think we talked about a French per, a lady who died and they couldn't prove she was dead or shouldn't they couldn't prove she was alive. It's just crazy the bureaucracy um with paperwork that, and everything yeah, like with that. Paperwork and, yeah. And to do this, you need the support. Like, how's he eating? How's he showering? How you know, again, you can say, Well, there's showers at the airport, but to make the relationships, the friendships where people will say to him, Between eight in the morning and eight thirty, you can utilize this area to go and clean up. Or it did, if you show up here, 
at, at three o'clock and at you know seven thirty in the morning, these are when you get your meals. We, we, the article we, we, did, didn't say any of that, did it? Didn't didn't mention how he showered or how he lived or how he how he um you know how he got how he ate his meals or whatever. But um, but the, we've heard the, of others doing this, Bill. Like I guess I think I think that's the thing. People survive you, in whatever means they must, right? Yeah. Like and, and, in, in so much of our population, even here in North America, uh, not to say it's like a majority or something, but there is a definite number of people who we can't imagine, like you said first, Kels, we can't imagine how they do it, but it becomes so normal, which is sad, really, but it becomes so normal that that's just life. Well, and some people would and, say this guy's like in a prison. Well, yeah. some will argue a uh, prison where he's got free reign to kind of, you know, there there will be people who and are in prison who would say no. Exactly. And and this I becomes it, I think. That's the only way you could survive because you need the support or help yeah. of others who don't care he stops by and gets his breakfast or or who who offers it just come by here then. You know, and it's not a big deal. What's and if, wild is this is like in the 1980s that he started living in the airport, right? Yeah. Like that's for the right. first 40 years of his life or whatever, uh, it wasn't like this. So he was in his 40s before this even started to happen. Yeah. Well, he bounced around from one country to another, apparently, and he just right. couldn't get. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, when your papers are stolen, you don't know who you are. They can't prove yeah. anything. It's You're a nobody. Yeah. And I, I wonder what his history was like before that. I mean, how much well, of it we know? I have no clue. But well, I'll tell you one thing: he was deported from Iran for supporting the Shah. So that that yeah, wasn't in the article, yeah. but I found that in another video. Mm. Unbelievable! Yeah. Wow! And and just to think about staying there, uh, um, the circumstances, and also not making people who are coming there who are becoming this person that people who probably flew in and out saw and and came over and hey how are you what and taught or the stories that he would learn and get from other people and maybe share or it sounded like he probably had an incredible nature and and probably learned a lot and and was not at all um somebody they didn't want there plus i don't think we're going to learn a lot about how did he survive how did he because well for one you got to be that person that the people who are going to support you and help you want there not somebody who yeah i heard that guy that you know was here for 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 18 years you gave him food or you no you don't want to encourage that Mm, right next one sir next one um this is an interesting one um why play pays CEO says fun in the workforce improves productivity. So an author has written the book. Um, basically it pays to play how play improves um, productivity. That's why we so show up every day. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, so the, 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 the book is, saying that we don't play enough in in the workforce, that we need a little play. Um, So basically, the the author is saying that the once-a-year get-together that you would have at at the work event is not enough. So she's suggesting that there's several things you can do to make it fun. You can crack jokes, and and, and which I don't particularly like doing because it might offend somebody, 
She says that you should get involved in sports. You can play trivia, you can play soccer, you can get out once a week and, and do all these outings. I, you know, I, and I like the idea and I don't, I do, I do think, I do get it. I, and I, I think we, I don't think we have enough fun in the workforce and a lot of times, but I also think that we've become so politically correct that we are afraid to do something in case it offends somebody. Like they say, make a joke on teams. Well, what happens if, you know, people say, well, my team is doing better than yours. So what are you trying to prove? They're, they're, they also say, make jokes in your emails. I don't think you do that. I mean, I just don't know. I think our culture are, are yeah. we're very nervous now about it. Oh, yeah. I like the idea of like even the the soccer kicking the you know for those oh, who can I do, do that, that the trivia some of the joking around. I mean, uh, as a sports fan, I love when I see that a manager for a sports team says, "Okay, guys, we're heading on the road. Meet you at the airport. Oh, and by the way, guys, dress up in your seventies clothes. What? Go yeah. out and get seventies clothes and let's play. Let's have a themed evening." Yeah, mm-hmm. I like the idea. I like the idea, but as I say, it's. It's oh this boy, concept of know. taking ourselves too seriously. And I, yeah, I think that I think this so. is definitely, you know, it, it points a finger at like corporate culture, right? Um, where we're too, yeah, take ourselves yeah. too seriously. There's not enough bonding. In this article, they talk about friendships too and, yeah, and compare it right. to the school grounds. Like when you're going through school, if you don't have friends, and school's a bust. Like you don't you don't want to go to school. You don't want to do the work. You hate it. So if you can foster some meaningful relationships and laugh together, like you said, Billy, and maybe have some competition, some play, uh, it, it can feel like you actually want to come to work and reduce burnout is a big thing. Yeah. Um, there, there were a lot of points, as you say, that, that I think that are, that are good in the article. But then, of course, it takes somebody to say, let's do it. I mean, who's yeah. going to make the first it's move? It's a culture reform, and that is way harder than it um, than on paper. Well, you need the right people who are comfortable with that position, but also the, the, the people to stifle things like, hey, man, we beat you guys. That's five wins in a row. You don't need to worry yeah. about that, right? Like, I know people would say, well, why do we keep score then? You know, it doesn't matter who wins. Well, why do we keep score? I get that. But you have to find those things where – you really don't uh, uh, encourage in this day and age that kind of that fun, that part of it, you know. And it's hard yep. because you you want to play, friendly you want to have that fun, friendly competition. But then you know, if the friendly competition's there, my view is okay. Have your fun, have your laughs at, at nobody's expense, and save the friendly competition for being top salesman of the week or doing this and that and that, and where it's more associated with the business. And again, I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. that creates more of the tension. But and I that, mean, maybe it, that, it doesn't that even have want. to be sports, right? No, 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 no. Well, that's what they said. Board games here, anything like that. You know, I I think you're better off with a board game. You know, sure, you could kick a soccer ball around, but it ends up being, ah, we scored once. You know, you don't want to keep score, in my opinion. It's just, you just want to have fun and talk and laugh. Too much on one or the other end of the spectrum. No, no. uh, Not in my opinion. I mean, I know some would say, are you crazy? Why bother doing it then? (laughs) Uh, Billy, thanks a lot, pal. Thanks a lot. Bill Shackleton joys us, joys us, enjoy, enjoins us Wednesdays through Fridays here on the program. He brings items to talk about. Join us tomorrow, Thursday, for the next edition of The Buzz. Uh, amid continuing hiring challenges, ladies and gentlemen, and a tight labor market, some companies are pulling out the stops 
to show their appreciation to staff. Always sounds like a good thing as this year comes to a close. We'll check it out and get more information on that from our friends over at Robert Half. Thanks for being with us. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, hosts of Kelly and Company. And folks, we want to check out the Kelly and Company podcast when you get some time. You can listen to the show in segment form. You can listen to the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience. We toss on an audio vanity card on there at the end of the full show podcast. So you can settle back and enjoy listening to the show in its full form. But maybe you prefer to listen to a segment like the one we've got coming up. If you join a segment here on the program halfway through, you got to go back and check it out and get the whole story. So do that via the podcast feed where we have the show parceled out and available to you in segments. That's the Kelly and Company podcast right from your favorite podcast platform. I'm at the home studio in London, Ontario. Ramya is at the home studio in Toronto. Well, lots of things to talk about when we think employment and what's going on there that we should keep posted about amid the continued hiring challenges and tight labor market some companies are pulling out the stops to show their appreciation to staff well this is a good change uh, as the year comes to a close and we're going to talk about um, some of these results from robert canada's recent survey showing that retention retention remains top of mind for many employers to talk more about this, we're joined by Evangeline Barube, VP Senior Account Manager at Robert Have. Evangeline, nice to have you back on Kelly and Company. Thank you so much for having me. So this study from Robert Have that's showing that uh, employee retention is top of mind right now. Let's talk more about it. Why is that? Any general statements on uh, the result findings? Uh, well, yes, absolutely, because we are still seeing all employees quitting their roles uh, from organizations. So this is definitely uh, top of mind with many managers. We see 79% of managers are concerned about their employees quitting. Uh, so retention is absolutely top of mind for them, and um, particularly when they're also then considering trying to find uh, talent to replace the individuals that uh, would have moved on, um, it's, it's very challenging to, to find uh, the strong talent. So, and that could seriously affect their, their business. That's really something now as we look at so much of this versus four or five years ago when, you know, people who were very gifted, talent, experienced, um, we're, 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 str- we're struggling finding that work. So, what are employers doing to retain that talent? And if not, what should they be doing? Well, certainly bonuses, um, you know, as, as that's kind of uh, uh, what led led the, the, the topic is certainly something to look at. Uh, right. Bonuses are always a great um, retention tool. And, and employees always like to have some um, element of recognition. So again, bonuses are a great way to do that. So if organizations are able to offer that, that's excellent. If they are unable, uh, due to budgetary constraints or whatever the situation is, unable to offer a bonus, then certainly things along the lines of extra paid time off, that goes a long way from a recognition standpoint to, to retain people. 
Um, even just good verbal and written recognition programs within an organization are really important. And then, you know, people just love to also have that opportunity to have some sort of staff celebration during work hours. Um, things like that actually go a long way with employees to creating a really good environment, which then also helps organizations retain individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just talking about, um, you know, speaking of pulling out all the stops, uh, talking about a little bit of play during work. And part of that conversation was that celebration, right? Was the uh the understanding that, yes, these relationships are meaningful and this is how we're showing that. Um, I think it's a it's important. And But this time of year, as you're saying, Evangeline, is the time to really um, take that into consideration. End of year, holiday time, uh, wrapping up. Who knows what kind of year it was for you, your company. Um, and at the end of the day, you do want to show some thanks and appreciation. How about, do you have any thoughts on the not-for-profit sector and how people can show appreciation there. Absolutely, because, I mean, certainly, um, and we see this even with the public sector as well, which are very limited in terms of what they can do from a salary perspective and bonus uh, structure. So um, what we often recommend is if, and this is where, again, having any ability to give any sort of paid time off or any additional perks that you may be able to to do, offering a bit of flexibility, um, having you know having people, you know, if they need to leave early or if they want to have um, you know Monday and Friday work from home, some of those types of things go a long way with people, particularly now post pandemic. Uh, we also just um, recommend if you're able to add any sort of benefits to your benefit program that may not cost the same amount as like the bonus. And again, you may be limited in what you can do uh, from a compensation perspective. Then if you're able to add any sort of uh, like, you know, um, beef up your massage therapy um, (laughs) benefit or um, offer some sort of health spending account or something along those lines, uh, we see uh, individuals really looking to that as also a really great perk. Um, so there's lots of different ways that outside of just straight compensation or bonuses that organizations in the not-for-profit or public sector can do to um, show their appreciation to their employees and give that little extra something to them. And I guess that would really apply to just any employers, especially in this time and age, because if the finances aren't there, which again, we would hear that argument years ago too, but you've got to get creative you've got to as you say maybe maybe it's it's the the medical package that that you offer your 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 support your insurance or or something for finance later on down the way um what what a what a tough thing to sit around the board table talking with your board about how do we do this so let's look at the employees what can they do if they don't feel they're uh, getting that compensation that they so deserve well, we, we definitely recommend um, one of the great places to start is just actually going to their leader, uh, right. to their upline leader, and having um, a very respectful, uh, open, transparent conversation about it. Um, if, if it comes down to, you know, sometimes the leaders will say, well, unfortunately, we as an organization just aren't in a position right now to do this, then, uh, you know, let's say give you a bonus. 
well, then that's when the employee can say, well, you know, if, if I'm going to, you know, do extra and, and try to do some different things, is there other ways to award us? Like, can I get Friday afternoon off or right. that kind of thing? And, and offer just suggestions as well um, that may resonate with that in- employee or maybe others. Um, but yeah, it just really starts with the conversation. Do you feel that, and from what your research what you've found, are people having more of those than they ever would have dared five, 20 years ago? Is there confidence in them? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm seeing more individuals having a lot more comfort around uh, just being more authentic and transparent, which is great to see. Um, You know, I still think some individuals are going to be hesitant, but um, I think what came out of the pandemic is people started to open up a bit more um, because we all went through a kind of a crazy time together. Um, and so I'm finding that people are just more and more open to just talking about where they're at, um, what's important to them. And and I think also the pandemic just put us all in a place where we, um, or most of us in a place where, you know, what we value and what motivates us um, and, and we want things to be a little more meaningful now. Um, so those sorts of things, we, we kind of go to our employer to discuss how do we make that work within, you know, our, our uh, work environment. Yeah, and in that same token, Evangeline, I'm, I'm curious about what you suggest for people who believe, like employees, who believe um, that they're, they're in need of more compensation, they know they deserve it, uh, but they're not receiving it. What do you suggest? I would definitely suggest um, before you go and have that conversation, particularly even if you're looking at from just a base compensation standpoint, not just bonuses, go to do some research. So try to get a sense of what other individuals in your industry doing similar roles to yourself are getting paid. Um, Because if you're going to go to your employer and request more compensation, it's going to go a lot farther if you've actually done some homework and you can actually demonstrate to them how you are not being compensated adequately for what you're doing. Um, So, you know, at Robert Half, we have a salary guide. Um, You can certainly reference that. And like I said, just, you know, even if you know other people in other organizations that are in the same industry as you, you might want to do a little research there. Also just looking at job ads online because some of them actually show the salary ranges for different positions. So you can leverage that. And so just go literally with that to, to your manager to highlight why you feel that you should be getting paid more, and and hopefully um, they see that that argument and are and are open to having that discussion. Well, and I think with people nowadays, with the recruitment issues out there being such a tough nut uh, to to crack for them, because so many people have looked and said, "Hey, maybe I should be getting paid more. Maybe I should be getting this. Maybe I could ask for this because I know I'm going to be told, no, we can't pay you more.'" I I think everybody's so much more savvy. And as you said, having those conversations and thinking about what work-life balance, everything like that for them, what is important. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just wanted to find out, is there anything else that you've noted in the survey that we haven't covered that we should? 
I think um, I think we've covered uh, much of what was in the survey and, and what's really some of the highlights. But um, I think there's lots of different ways to reward your employees. Um, and so I think what really came out of it um, is just that ability to offer some level of recognition to your employees to help with retention and even then inevitably attraction to your organization uh, of talent because your, your organization is going to have a good reputation in the marketplace. Yeah, I, I believe that you're, you've pointed out um, various different ways to think outside the box or to kind of limit the comparison of what should be like what should be standardized as uh, rewards or compensation or bonus um, and just at the end of the day go back to the intention of how to show appreciation to your employees. Evangeline where can we go and where can we send listeners to go and find out more information about the study conducted by Robert Half? Um, definitely go to our website um, and uh, at www.roberthalf.com. And, um, and also, you know, uh, like my, for myself, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, so don't hesitate to, to reach out to me if you have any more specific questions. Happy to share with you what we're seeing in the market and what, uh, what clients are doing. Okay, great. And really quickly, we just have a second, but anything um, up for the holidays? I know that Robert Half has a lot of resources for people. So anything leading up to the holidays that we can look forward to hopefully talking to you about in December? You know, I'm not 100% sure um, <laughs> of everything, okay. but um, I, do know that, I do know that we definitely will continue to keep a very close eye on um, hiring trends because... Um, they're, they're changing. It's a, it's a very dynamic environment out there right now. And so um, we will continue to do more and more surveys just to keep a real pulse on where things are at, particularly as we go into next year. And there's a lot of talk about recession. Um, what yes. is, you know, it'll be good to have a good sense of what does that actually play out uh, for with, with um, hiring and the talent shortage. And we look forward to chatting more about that with you all. Thank you, Evangeline. Have a great rest of your day. Yes, you too. Evangeline Barube, VP Senior Account Manager at Robert Half Canada, talking about their recent survey results about employee retention and compensation. Yeah, always a big chat, especially now. It's hard enough worrying about finding people, let alone people leaving, and uh, that being a tough one. Coming up, folks, grocery shopping has become more expensive this year. Mary Mammoliti is going to tell us what we can do to cut down grocery expenses in two minutes here on Kelly and Company. Remember, folks, you can listen to the show right off the AMI website at AMI.ca. You can just pop over there and stream AMI-audio. That means you can do your work, sit at your desk, and away you go. However, speaking of away you go, if you do have to leave, go out, run around, take care of some errands. Make sure you have uh, TuneIn Radio or the Radio Player Canada app. A couple of great apps in which you can search AMI-audio and take us with you when you have to run out. Radio Player, Canada app, or TuneIn Radio, or listening straight from AMI.ca to follow us here on Kelly & Company. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, host of the program, and now it's time to get into our cooking segment with Mary Mammoliti, 
Mams, how are you today? I am fantastic. Yeah. How are you? Oh, we're doing all right, having another great show. We've got a good lineup of content, and we're all over the place, which is always good for us. Keeps us all on our toes, but there's just so many mm-hmm. cool things to learn about. And, of course, Amuthan, all up here at the end of the day, it's perfect timing because you always make her hungry. Yep. <laughs> Early suppers on Wednesdays, every other Wednesday. Yeah. A uh, problem with things, though, Mary, and, and I guess today you're here to solve some of the problem because grocery shopping has just become ridiculous. Uh, everywhere, everyone talks about it throughout the world that, wow, oh, my goodness. And every time it's going mm-hmm. up earlier in the program, we got a stat handed to us through uh, one of our audio clips uh, of news clips. Talking uh, in, in October, food went up 11%. Um, I know. Absolutely frightening. So you've got some ideas to help cut these uh, grocery bills down a little bit as we notice that to steady increase. So, of course, at the top of the checklist, mm-hmm. let's uh, do some cutting of uh, of this cost. What are some ways we can do it? Where do we begin? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You're absolutely correct. And I'm hoping that some of these will help us save some money. Not I'm hoping. I, I, I do them, and I know it works. I'm hoping that people will give this a try. So... Like you mentioned, inflation, it has impacted the cost of everything and including groceries, right? So Canadian grocery prices are climbing. It's forced me to change the way I shop for food. Now, you know, I've always said that the grocery store is my happy place. At times, mm-hmm. not so much, but now it's become a bit challenging because I'm, I'm noticing these prices and you're leaving with a bag of groceries and there's nothing in there. And you're like, $180, what did I just buy? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you have Exactly. Um, And it's not even a full meal. So I'm hoping that what we talk about today will help with this. Well, and quality, too, we were talking about earlier. Things like lettuce that are just like, I I don't want that. Yeah, lettuce, I don't even know what's happening right now. But there was that butterboard craze and butter went missing off shelf. Lettuce Mm -hmm. now is just so difficult to find. Um, And when you do, you have to remortgage your home uh, (laughs) to get ahead of lettuce. It's just so expensive. But we have ways. So Uh, the number one way to save money, I would say, would be start with a grocery list. Go shopping. I know it sounds simple, but all of us are guilty of doing this. Like, I got to go get groceries. You want to rush out of the house or you place that order online and there's no thought to it. And you kind of end up overspending. So at least with a list, it'll keep you on budget. So it minimizes that impulse buy. Right. So for buying or buying something that you already have in your pantry. Right. Right. And right. And then the next would be meal planning. I know a lot of this, everything that I mentioned takes a little bit of work, but it's okay. We have that little time to do this because in the end, this is going to be great and it'll help us. So meal planning, a meal planning ahead, it can help us save money and reduce food waste. Win win. And that helps you with your so, list and makes you stick to it. Absolutely. So all of these kind of go hand in hand. And that's why I say start with the list. But before going to the grocery store, when you're doing your list, check the food that you have and you're already having your pantry and your cupboards and your fridge, and then plan your meal around that. So you can just add to what you already have, right? So then you can go online for some inspiration if you want. If not, stick to your your basics and the standard that you like having in your refrigerator, in your pantry, and then go from there. Now that you have that plan, this is when I say let the price wars begin. 
because now it's time to search through digital flyers. We're going back to the flyer search. I mean, I remember growing up and my mom and my aunts and everyone would have their flyers out and they would talk about these flyers and talk about the savings and the coupons. It's back to that. I mean, I lost that, but I'm going to be honest, I'm back to it. So you want to search these digital flyers down. And I love the digital because it makes it so much easier for me to find things. Um, and I can change the font. We know this. I, anything that's digital for me, I'm all for it. Best day to start is a Wednesday because this is when the most recent flyers are published. And they're the ones that are published that are that end at that the end of that week. So the most recent ones. I think some do come out on Thursdays as well, but the I mean I would recommend starting on Wednesday to start your search. You can search on websites or right on your smartphone. So using the app. Search flyers in almost every grocery store in your area. So the first one I have on my list is redflagdeals.com. And that's also available as a smartphone app. And then there's another one called, which I've talked about before in the past, is flip.com. So it's F-L-I-P-P.com. And that's also an app. These are great. You have two options, either apps, you have it at your hand, or you can go on your computer. This takes a bit of the time. It does take a bit of time. But an hour a week to plan your strategy, it's definitely worth it in the long run because you got that savings at the end. So begin by listing all the grocery stores in your area. Now you do this once, and this is, this is how you set it up. List all the grocery stores in your area that are closest to you, whether it's by walking distance or driving. So you can make your way from one to the other if you needed to based on the flyers. And then make sure that they're in minutes apart from one another because you don't want to be going across from end to end in the city and then bookmark those stores and their flyers so this one when you do your search those are the ones that you're going to search first are the ones that are closest to you that you prefer shopping at here's a here's a tip if you find canned beans that they're on sale stock up add a few extra cans to your grocery list your savings today it pays off later because what happens is Again, it's that impulse buy, or it's that craving buy, I like to say, where one minute, you know, you want, oh, I think I might have, like, or make hummus, or I don't know if anyone really says, I'm going to make hummus, but um, make a salad, and you want a chickpea topping, and you have to go at that moment to the grocery store. You're paying full price on that, whereas if you have at least two cans in your pantry, in your cupboard, you have it there, and you've paid the reduced price, the sale price that you found. Right, so you're saving again. Meat and fish on sale, I always buy extra. Or if I see a really good deal on a piece of meat, I'll buy it and then I'll freeze it. And utilize your freezer. So if yes. you buy, right, and you, I always say this, and I said it, if you buy as you crave, chances are you'll pay more for the same product that you initially would have saved that money on. That's either in your freezer, in your pantry, waiting for you to use it. I mean, I know we're all limited for space, and I'm not saying to stock up and, and stock your shelves if you're at the grocery store. But to have a couple of cans on hand is always helpful, and it has, you've saved money on those cans. Another way to save is by introducing a more plant-forward lifestyle. I'm not saying go vegan, go vegetarian. I'm not just introduce more plants um, because due to that high price of meat right now, Plants and beans, um, they're just, they're a little more cost effective. So try experimenting with beans, pasta, grains, vegetables. 
Also, maybe reducing the amount of processed foods. Um, that can reduce the cost of your grocery bill because they tend to be expensive. Or what I like to do is I'll give myself a treat. I really right. am hooked on, and I have been for years, on those Swiss chalet chicken pot pies in the freezer section. Yeah. Absolutely. I just, I, right? Have you tried them? Mm -hmm. They're just so good. Tried them. Staple. <laughs> right. It's a staple. The uh, St. Hubert ones are good too. Yes. Yes. So good. They're more cheesy. Um, so I find them when, mm -hmm. exactly, whenever they're on sale, I'll pick them up or Costco has the bigger box if I have room in my freezer. But that's my treat to myself if I've saved somewhere else, right? By introducing a little more plant based, True. then I, you know, I, I kind of, Splurge wherever I need to. How to save money on meat and fish. Now, Kat, uh, I touched yes. on that where you, right, where you buy on sale, buy in bulk. Um, when there's a great sale, again, use your freezer. Ma that Mary, is your friend when it comes to saving. I've got to yes. say, some of this really puzzles me sometimes. And I know this is the list you've put together. It's great. You know, and it's a wonderful list. It just seems like the stuff when I grew up. Well, we, oh, look, this is on sale. My family were, were flyer fans where, oh, this is on sale. Yes. Buy several of these. Put them in the freezer. Or or don't get that, but get this. Here, treat yourself to one thing. I've heard this stuff. You know, and don't go in hungry to the grocery store and buy. Mm -hmm. Stick to the list I've given you. Go get it. You know, from, from a parent standpoint. Right. Um, you know, so many of these things, they're so, they're so vital. And it's amazing how much we get away from it as we grow up. Right, and that's my point, is that we've kind of set that aside. We've heard this before. We've Some of us have lived it. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, like you said, I was a Flyer fan. And um, we, it was just like a path that we'd have our coffee, we'd look for Flyers, um, but and everyone would share their finds. The, the thing is, we kind of forgot about that. Right. And we became, I don't want to kind of put everyone in the same category, but a lot of us are just, we don't have time. It's always that caveat of we don't have time mm -hmm. right where we try to rush everything but like i said just a little bit of time we're all going back to reminding ourselves of take the time and it's a savings in the end you benefit from that i mean when it comes to chicken like i grew up with this buy the whole chicken break it down at home and then save those yes. bones and make a stock for soup it's cheaper and we to talk buy about the these chicken. kind of ways to to use our meat when we're thinking special occasions, right? Like, oh, I need to buy the whole chicken yeah. and the whole turkey and the whole pork during, I don't know, Thanksgiving or Christmas. But honestly, mm -hmm. this stuff is available to you all year round if you're going to make the most out of it. Exactly, absolutely, and it it only helps you because it keeps that money back in your pocket. Mm -hmm. Pork loin, pork loin. It's another cut of meat. It gives you more bang for your buck. So Costco always has a great price on pork loin. It's a fairly good size. It's cheaper. Um, and it's cheaper than buying pork chops. So you can repurpose this one particular pork loin into many different cuts and many different meals. So I'll give you some examples. You can fast fry. So the thin cut of pork loin, use it for schnitzel. When was the last time you had schnitzel? Have you even tried making schnitzel? It's so nice. much fun. It's so mm. tasty. Right? Cut, then the next cut, cut it into one inch thick chops. Boneless pork chop. Great to have. Use the other half um, and roast it in your oven or in a slow cooker, uh, Instapot. I've done this even as a sheet pan meal and make pulled pork sliders or top your burrito with that shredded pork. It's so good. Um, 
this was another one that I thought, boneless pork ribs, where you cut them into strips, into one inch by one inch strips. And you would use the same marinade as you would for ribs, but they're boneless. So good. And so many things you can do. And then once you've done all that, you can even season them and freeze them already seasoned, ready to go. Right. And then just keep a freezer full of that. Yeah. Awesome. And all set to go and grab. What other techniques should we uh, think about when it comes to uh, working when we want to kind of save what can be used? Okay. I was really excited when I just first discovered cashback apps. So these apps, they reward us for purchasing groceries we would buy anyway. So where we take those, you know, those grocery receipts and we just toss them in the garbage, that piece of paper is going to actually gain us money. Right. So an app called Cattle. C-A-D-D-L-E. It's similar to, if you're familiar with Checkout 51 and how the app works. So it's a grocery cashback app. It's available only to Canadians. Um, You can browse through weekly offers. They renew every Thursday. And how it works is you just shop at your favorite store. You go onto the app, or they may have specific stores that are required on the app. You just check that. And then if you have the receipt for those stores, take a photo, upload it, and claim your cash. So you get cash back on those, on those receipts. I mean, it's not hundreds of dollars, but every cent adds up. Every cent counts. And it, yep. again, exactly. Everything counts. And then it was a receipt that you would have normally just thrown up, but it's gaining you money. And you, if you technically think of it, that grocery has now, you have that extra savings on your grocery. Right? So then once you reach $20 or more, you can cash out and a check is sent to your home. There's another one called Rakuten, Rakuten.ca, or Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N.ca. I've tried this one, love it. It's free to use, and it's stress-free to earn cash. How it works is you sign up for a free account, and whenever you want to shop online, you just go through their platform to the preferred retailer's website. So, for example... Um, you want to go to Amazon, you want to buy something at Amazon, log on to Rakuten. They have a link to go to Amazon and you can purchase everything there. And that, what they do is it automatically earns you cash back on your purchases. So they track your purchase and then they credit your account with real money for that purchase. Um, And Rakuten has actually partnered with, I think about 750 stores, including Amazon, SportCheck, Sephora, Old Navy. Oh my gosh, there's so many. Under Armour, Dell, Expedia. Uh, Hudson's Bay, uh, so many, Canadian Tire, Home Depot, there are just so many to, to mention. Um, definitely give it a, 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 be, a go over, check it out, and uh, you will not be disappointed with these. There are cool. so many Very- that we could go through, but these are some that I've tested. I was going to say, and uh, some of those are floating around, you know, as accessible uh, with screen readers as well. Rakuten is a good, good example of that. But before we go, can you give mm-hmm. us this recipe? For an easy slow cooker pulled pork? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, quickly. We get a, either pork shoulder or pork loin. We talked about pork loin. Use pork loin. One tablespoon of each of these um, spices. Salt, pepper, one tablespoon garlic powder, onion powder, chili powder, smoked paprika. Put that in a bowl, in a little dish. Mix it up. Get your pork loin. Now, what I like to do is rub it all over and then refrigerate it at least for about three hours. You want those flavors to kind of meld and sink into that that meat but if you can leave it overnight no more than 24 hours it's even better but if you don't have the time just rub it on plop it into your hot your slow cooker pour that chicken broth which is one cup of chicken broth over top put a lid on it low and slow 
for eight to 10 hours and you're done. You just remove it. You can use two forks to pull it, to shred it and pull it apart and enjoy. That's it. Sounds so good. Oh, Mary, thanks a lot. Uh, we know the latest Kitchen Confession podcast, available from anyone's favorite podcatcher, mm-hmm. is out today and available. And we can find, of course, uh, your discussions and recipes over at uh, kitchenconfession.com. Thanks, Mary. Thank you. Mary Mamalee joins us every couple of weeks here on the program, of course, to talk food and always have these great conversations today. If you missed any of that, you want to go back, check it out via the podcast and learn how to save yourself some money with your grocery shopping bill, which is forever climbing. We're back to see what's coming up tomorrow on Now with Dave Brown and wrap up our show in a moment. Want to reach out to Accessible Media, Inc.? Do it through the Facebook page, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of great content over there. You can like the Accessible Media, Inc. Facebook page and interact for sure. You can uh, send an email, feedback at ami.ca. If you have questions about AMI-TV, AMI-Tele, or AMI-Audio, feedback at ami.ca. And, of course, on Twitter, best way to follow along with the shows here and what's happening with AMI-Audio, that handle, at AMI-Audio, on Twitter, at ami audio Awesome way to keep in touch and to see what's going on. Rami Amuth and Kelly McDonald, hosts of the program, and we always like to mention a segment or two to go back and check out via the podcast. Rami, what's on your list today? Well, talking to Greg David about holiday movies was fun. Uh, it was also very informative because we chatted about the the serious things, you know, diversity, uh, more and more of that, representation of people with disabilities on there, even the plots thickening further not just the same old same old uh, plot that we're used to or structure of holiday movies um also just the variety that's out there in terms of where you can find them now it's everywhere and most of the ones on netflix at least in the last couple of years have been available with described videos so we didn't get to that in today's conversation but we got to a lot so check it out I really need to mention that I, I really enjoyed Mary's discussion today because this is such a, a concern leading our news up here in Canada, around the world, of how costly things are. And Mary's reminders of, guys, go back to what you were taught, what you did <laughs> growing up or were supposed to do. And it makes you stop and say, yeah, but then again... You know, like she said, people are busy or, oh, I really have a sweet tooth for that. I'm going to get that. Boy, that looks so good, which takes you off of that that grocery list. But so many great uh, tips there, folks, to get us on track. And even right now, it's just such that time. You've got other places for your money. You might want to go back. Check that out via the Kelly and Company podcast. Get some ideas there or just be reminded of all those things. As I heard when I was a kid, this is what we're doing and just thought that's the only way really to shop isn't it? Um, so really wonderful tips there that you might want to check out via the podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. And while you're in there, the gang at Now With Dave Brown, they'd appreciate you giving them a follow as well and keeping up on their program. It's on at 9 a.m. in the morning, Eastern Time, right on AMI-TV. Paul Daniel joins us. Sir, what's tomorrow's show look like? Hey, tomorrow's show, Jenny Bovard will share her recollections from the the completed 6th Annual Nova Scotia Gold Ball Open tournament that took place last weekend. She has a unique perspective as she was a member of the tournament's organizing committee. 
When we're doing the holiday shopping season, Kelly, and more often than not, we tend to spend more than we can afford. Our columnist, Aaron Broverman, will tell us how we can avoid the pain of the genuine credit card bill sticker shock. Say that fast three or four times. And Sean Priest from Double Tap will tell us about the transition some of the tech giants are making from use for users having to use pass uh, having to use pa- who use passwords to something called pass keys for verification. Awesome stuff, man! Uh, a busy show again, sir. Hmm. So when are you going to say it four times? <laughs> I had a hard time. I, I had a hard time saying it once, Kelly. I mean, uh, I'll leave. I'll leave the. Uh, the, the the dictionary to you. <laughs> um, there's always words we find this, Paul, that, you know, mm-hmm. people laugh, but there's always those words that you just have trouble saying. And I know for myself, particularly, uh, I always kind of like, uh, I'm going to change this because I really can't say this word <laughs> properly. Mm-hmm. So I'll just change the, the script here. Live. Oh my goodness. It's awful sometimes. And it's a word yeah. you'd never, ever expect. Just something simple. But for some reason, I, I can't get that one. Rum, do you have one that comes to mind that you struggle with? Not right now. Yeah. But when I do, you'll hear it. Well, everyone will, Paul. Thanks, Polly. That's right. Take care. Now with Dave Brown on the air tomorrow, MITV, 9 a.m. in the morning. Please check it out, folks, and follow them on the uh, podcast feed for their program. Rumya will be back at it tomorrow for the Thursday edition starting at 2. Going to be fun, Kels. Talk then. Tomorrow... Let's learn how to protect our sensitive information on the iPhone. Michael Fair gives us a crash course on the security and privacy features available via iOS. Fern Lullum highlights a report viewing a, reviewing a survey of online access information provided by UK museums and cultural heritage sites. Also on the show, we have the Thursday Buzz with Bill Shackleton. On Curious Minds tomorrow, Christine Malik informs us of the importance and excitement around the agricultural revolution. And joining us on this week's roundtable conversation is in the know contributor, Margaret Weldon. We'll start again, as I mentioned a little while ago at 2 p.m. Eastern. Fedora's off to you. Talk to you then. We're talking so much about the cost of food with Mary Mammoliti and just everywhere we get reports of how high inflation is or things going up 11% in the way of the cost of food, fuel, everything. And how it's impacting Christmas. I have seen that. How it's impacting American Thanksgiving. And we know it did ours in October. But I want to think for a moment. Hmm. When I grew up and you could just get whichever one. Ham, turkey, some families did something different. You know, those who recognized those holidays. And I'll throw Easter in as well. I would love to know, and I'm sure it's out there, so I could probably just simply Google it here. But what's the percentage of families that have one or the other? Which one edges out the other? And at which holidays? Now, again, we have our favorite. So... When I look back at my family, I only really think about I loved turkey. My dad loved ham. And the only reason I really recognize that is because, hey, why aren't we having turkey? Well, we got to give dad one of the holidays. So often at, at Easter, 
we'd get a ham in there. And I was kind of dad's, oh, I, I got to get in here somewhere. My brother would often bring over some kind of roast, usually a prime rib. As a kid, I wasn't that interested in prime rib for some reason. I, I still prefer just a regular roast beef. But turkey, to me, was holiday time. And I don't know how often we had both. I still think of it as the choice because of my dad and the whole Easter bit. Well, I'd like to get ham. Oh, oh. And us kids, oh, all right. You know, and mother would, well, we get ham for your father, okay? Oh, oh. But, you know, I, I think about do more families have two kinds of meat? And again, folks, I'm, I'm not trying to edge out the vegetarians out there because there's a whole lot of great vegetarian holiday meals out there too and other cultures that have totally different foods than the ham and turkey. So um, I'm just thinking because of my own upbringing, but I find it fasting. I love fascinating. I love knowing or being invited to circumstances where I get to try different cultures, different feel for holidays. And I, I don't just mean, you know, ones that maybe are um, connected to one's culture as much as the ones that seem to be the big ones of our world. The Christmases, you know, our Thanksgiving, one that people generally adopt, even if it's not necessarily something they do in their country when they come here. I just always love to see what are people's choices, what are people's preferences.